stream because we have Jeff going here. So we want to get a going and make sure that everyone sees us as quickly as possible and get the whole entire hour with you because this is absolutely amazing. Uh, we do have a connection and we are ready to rock and roll. I am so incredibly happy. Um, yes, absolutely. I'm so incredibly happy that we got Jeff going tonight on ClearProp TV, Paratalk.org, of course, is part of our new nonprofit, Run Into the Sky, and we have Jeff going on the podcast tonight. Welcome, Jeff Going. We are so happy that you made it tonight. Well, thank you. Great to be here. So we know that... we. I know there's no intro for you because everybody already knows you. you. We probably read your, everybody probably read your book, right? If not, they're probably going to read it eventually. But Jeff, just for those of you, uh, just for those of the people that are out there, maybe newbies that are thinking about getting into paramotoring or paragliding, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and how you got into paramotoring. I've been into air fist ever since I was 13 years old. So I started flying gliders, then power planes, then uh, about in that time, ultralights came out. My parents said, no, 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 no ultralights. Uh, and then uh, I went to school for it. Then I got a job flying uh, airplanes and I got into the airlines and I've done that for many years. And then in 1999, a friend of mine came and said, hey, Jeff, you want to go in with me on a powered paraglider? A what? A powered paraglider. What the heck is that? And uh, that was when it all started in this realm because uh, he knew I was an easy mark. I mean, I had a helicopter, for goodness sakes. Uh, but I didn't know what this thing was. And so I went and I looked at it and I uh, went to Nick Schulte's. He showed me about it. And then when I saw how much control you had with this thing, I went nuts, absolutely nuts. And that's uh, also got into, you know, what's, how does this work? And what, how about the training? I wanted to get the best training possible and just the rest of it. So um, at some point I got into flying Hang glider trikes, started the USPO when I saw that, yeah, this training thing, we need to really do something about that. So that's essentially the quick and dirty. Well, excellent. I probably uh, missed, missed you. Well, um, we, we seem like you, you're you jumping in or out. Uh, we know that you are currently um, on a cell phone and uh, you're heading back home. Hopefully you have good Wi-Fi there. Uh, Scuba Steve, is there any questions in the Super Chat for, yeah, um, yes. Bill H was want to know from Mr. Gowen, um, can he tell us about the Paramotor Radio Talk Show? Oh, my goodness. PPG Radio. Yeah. Oh, well, that was fun. With uh, Michael Purdy, he was a very interesting character. Michael Purdy and Bob Armand, uh, both interesting, colorful characters. Do you, Am I coming through okay now? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Because I am home now. And theoretically, it's appropriate because I'm actually going through space since we have Starlink for internet. So maybe that's part of why it's been a little flaky. Uh, so, yeah, we started that. I don't remember the year, but was that like 90, 
99 or 2000, somewhere, probably 2002. Uh, and he had an actual studio. He started a thing, uh, what was it? World Talk Radio, I think. And that was going to be like the next big thing where you could rent studio space, come in, and it was like a, an old-time radio station with high-quality equipment, mixing boards, and so forth. And we would interview people, go and get together. It was done in um, three places. Uh, I think sometimes Bob and Mike got together and did it. But yeah, that was that was early on. This goes way back. <laughs> So I know that uh, there's probably questions from everybody on the uh, uh, panel now. So anybody on the panel, now is your time. Let's go ahead and uh, ask Jeff some questions uh, before we keep on going on this awesome interview. Okay, I got one. So I got the paramotor, the power paragliding Bible number seven. Is there an eight Good. coming soon? Oh, not soon. <laughs> Let's hope not soon. <laughs> uh, no, in, uh, there's going to be an update. Uh, it's interesting, you know, there's, there's always new stuff in my, in my narrow little mind. I think, well, that's it. There's not going to be anything else new, uh, going to be able to take a break from updates, but if people send me information, you know, it's not perfect. Nothing's ever perfect. It can always be improved. Um, uh, I've already made changes for edition eight or for, let's just say a revised edition seven, because doing a new version is a lot of work. Uh, but let me tell you, there's a mistake in an, in a diagram that's been in that book for probably four revisions. And somebody sent me, uh, an email and said, Hey, listen, I, uh, I got the book. I like it. It's uh, I got a lot of blah, 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 but there's an error. It looks like on an illustration on page such and such. And I looked at that and sure enough, He's right. That mistake wasn't about what I was trying to illustrate, but still it needs to be right. So I've already fixed it. So in the next edition or next update, so it's possible there could be an edition seven revised. Uh, you know, if there's not very many changes, I could consider that. Never done it, but uh, it's a possibility. Although admittedly seven was supposed to be that. Anyway, we see where that went. What do you think about these recent Gaza attacks or quasi or whatever the heck they're called? How do you think that's going to affect the paramotor industry since they were basically flying trikes with a glider above their head? Well, there weren't very many in all likelihood. I don't know how many. Uh, and they were manned, as I understand it. Uh, well, that's not a very good plan. Um, there's, I don't think it's going to have any impact because a, a number of reasons, but for one, for, it's pretty easy for a heat seeker, you know, they were just, unfortunately, I mean, sadly, they were just completely unprepared. So I think they had their hands full of other, uh, attack vectors that, it was just they, they weren't prepared for it and slow moving. You can count on it. They're going to be prepared the next time. And I don't think it'll have any impact. I mean, a far better plan is to automate that. You know, it's you can you can download automation software for drones. So it wouldn't be a big leap to expect automation 
for for these now of course they're delivering the humans that's that was part of the point so it's a little different but still i don't that's, think it'll affect us that's the other flip side i mean with amazon getting the um out of sight rules so that they can fly their drones is do you think that's going to cause anything to our industry i would be more concerned about that because our regulation comes into a sharper focus in light of it and although they're talking about being down at 400 feet if they don't have a detect and avoid requirement that's a problem because you know we could be out there in otherwise completely legal airspace and now find ourselves with these drones that are blindly going where many have gone before and we don't want that but i think I would expect that there will be a requirement for them to sense and avoid, meaning they have to be able to see other tracks. Do we lose them, guys, or is it just me? No, I think we lost them. Lost. Yeah. If it's Starlink, he'll probably come, he'll probably come back because when yeah, I maybe a Starlink, Starlink blackout. <laughs> Talking too much about. Okay, Amazon are you there? Drone. Yep. <clears throat> there you go. We 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 lost you. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I don't I don't know. Oh, oh there I am. So now. Uh, uh, okay. So yeah, the drones. Am I am I on? Am are we good? You're on. Uh, we we don't see you. Just have your picture up again. Oh okay. really? Okay. Sorry about that. I don't know That's what's going. Uh, okay. So. Uh, the other thing about the drones uh, is I would expect they may be required to have ADSB out at some point. And that wouldn't be all bad. So you think the drones are going to have to have the um, see and avoid and ADSB in and out so they know where everybody is? I would expect that. They've already got the technology and the equipment. So they can already do it. Uh, and as you may know, uh, a company, UAvionics, sent me a sample um, to try for the purpose of selling to the paramotor market, uh, basically to see if it works, if we could use it and so forth. And I did that. Uh, I went flying with the paramotor. I, I uh, asked Tim to go flying with the paramotor while I flew around with the airplane. And uh, it worked brilliantly. So uh, I like the idea just because though? I would rather the airplane. <laughs> and uh -oh. he's gone. Now we lost him. And he's back. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Starlink. You know what? I just. He just realized that he was still on. His phone, his Wi-Fi, or not as uh, he's just on his phone and not his Wi-Fi. Bet, yeah. So maybe he's going to connect to the Wi-Fi. One, two. There you go. I hear Let's you. Go. Now. Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry. Well, I got a confession. I just realized I was not on Starlink. Oh. I was on Verizon only. Now oh I'm on Starlink. Oh, so, that's much better. Okay, now good. Now I'm blame it on Starlink. I'm Actually, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Come on, Musk, do your thing for us. So, I mean, uh, 
Is ADSB going to be really expensive? I mean, people that fly parrot motors, obviously they got a little money, but ADSB seems to be really expensive, especially now. Is it going to come if, down? If you look at the drone cost, it's about 1200 bucks. I'm pretty sure. So for somebody that's out in the middle of nowhere, it seems like a waste. I completely agree. But for someone like me, when I go up, you know, I'm here in central Florida and there's everything out there. And sometimes I feel like I've got a bullseye painted on me. Uh, I would love to have it. So this, this test, by the way, went really well. It's just that they deemed our market to be too small. And so they're not getting in it. And I think the, uh, there's a number of problems with insurance. So I think we would do better if we had that at least to offer. But right now, it doesn't appear that we do. So I guess it's just whether or not you think the $1,200 is worth it. Uh, I hope it comes down. It, it certainly seems like it could, but electronics aren't that cheap unless you get a pretty good volume. And I don't know if we'll get to that volume. But, but the thing is, the drones have to have it. Well, that is a high volume. So why not let us use that same technology? All as it is, is a setting in there that says, hey, I'm an ultralight. Uh, and I know, um, I think Harvey Milne, he got a... Uh, he went through the process of getting a certified aircraft, but that is an ordeal. Uh, so right now it's impractical. But well, so that's I where I go ahead. I'm sorry. I was wondering, um, have you used Gaggle or heard of Gaggle app? Uh, I have not. There's another one, isn't there, in Europe? What's that called? Um, I think that's Gaggle, is it not? Maybe. I, maybe, I thought it was called XC's something else. Kind of Maybe XC Skies, I'm not sure, but um, they have Gaggle out right now, and we can actually see other airplanes that have ADSB out. But right. um, I'm not sure how that could be integrated into kind of letting them know about where we are also in space through the app. Well, yeah, the the problem is that the app would have to connect to the air traffic services, so. Yeah, we can see him, but the, the point is, what about the guy flying his citation at 3,000 feet? And you're perfectly legal to be there. Heck, I was just flying the 737 uh, into Burbank a couple of days ago thinking, and I'm looking at the chart, and it's like, yeah, I could be right here in a paramotor, right here. Uh, don't need to be broadcasting anything. So I would think that uh, it would be it would be nice. I wish I could remember the name of the other one. There's a really popular one. If they could integrate it into the air traffic services, then why not? Because that's using the phone system. So it's about as reliable as this previous phone call has been, right? That's <laughs> the problem. You get dropouts. Uh, so it has to go through the cellular system, which is not optimized for uh, use up in the air. That could be a problem. Gotcha. In Gaggle, there's that additional feature that's got there. I think it's called Safe Flight, where you can opt into that, and it it's done over cells. Will, you got something? I can't even see you on the screen. You got a question? I, I got my stuff out of the way. <laughs> Jim Jim is talking, Scuba. Yeah, oh, I, I can barely hear him. Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Is that better? There. Is that better? Yeah, I got you. Okay, so 
Gaggle has a feature that's called Safelink, I believe it is. Okay. And when you access that and you turn it on, you can set your own call sign and it will broadcast to people who have, who are connected to that app. So, okay, yeah. I, I I, the other... The other app, so he, he was just saying that on Gaggle, you can opt in so that other people can see you, which is really cool for people that have the app. But the people that we want to reach, they're flying uh, an airliner down to a Cessna 150 uh, or even smaller. Those people are going to be relying on ADSB. ADSB can get signals from air traffic control, but if the air traffic control is connected to, let's say, that app, they could send airplane locations that way. And that would be really valuable. There's Technologically, I don't think there's a problem with it, but they would have to be connected to the data in the app. And that will be a pain point for the FAA, because is that data reliable? Or is someone sending out ghost images that could cause problems? So I think that's where we might run into problems. But well, if it happens, it would bigger, be all... So with those bigger planes, do they have... Do they use ForeFlight at all, ever? Four Some do. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. We don't use ForeFlight at my airline, uh, but some airlines do use it as a backup. Uh, I don't know of any airlines that are using it as primary. They all use something called Jeppesen FD, like Flight Deck Pro. That's almost universal. Um, it's probably not going to be connected legally. They're not going to connect it to anything other than a certified source. So it's doubtful that we'll see that for a while, if ever, through that method. So, so the ADSB signal can come both from other airplanes and from uh, the ground stations, the air traffic ground stations. But they're probably not going to allow it to come from, say, sell the cell system through gaggle or uh it's ilk okay interesting i think um, i think i think you hit the nail on the head jeff the, the yeah. part is um the big the big problem is the sending of the signal not the receiving it's like a radio station versus transmitting you know mm -hmm. a radio station so um i mean i'm perfectly comfortable with the ability to just simply receive and to know what's around me. Um, the well, a problem with that is the airplanes are much, much faster. So we represent essentially the same risk, whether we're flying away from a target or towards it. So the people that need to see what's out there are those flying the airplanes. And that means we need to be transmitting. And yeah. I'm not saying, uh, you know, to require it, uh, but I would rather require it than be restricted yeah right, so, yes absolutely do you still fly a paramotor jeff i mean i'm just wondering because yeah but nowhere near as often as i used to but yeah i do okay. uh you know it if you uh you're not so much you you know i've heard said this many a times you're you're not so much a paramotor pilot as you are a mechanic who gets to test his work <laughs> so but yeah. i i still do fly i mean I've been flying, I still fly the helicopter and the airplane, and I haven't flown the, ha the hang glider trike is what suffered the most, but the paramotor is still the most fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Will uh, Fly, is there any other questions? Oh, I'm sorry. Will Fly, was there any other questions in the super chat? 
Yes, Jeremy wants, wants me to ask you about the paramotor competitions at Beach Blast and if you think similar competitions will pop up in the future in the USA. I have no idea because <laughs> what that takes is somebody with a lot of drive to run it and put together uh, a team of people. And now we know that to do that safely requires over water. And when I was doing competition, running competitions, participating, we were doing it over land, which is far easier to organize. You don't need the big pylons. But uh, history has now shown that's not a good idea. Uh, not unless we were to change the competition quite a bit. If you're going to put somebody on speed bar on one of these things, and really to be competitive now, you need to have a big motor and a small wing with everything in the speed bar. It's uh, all the modern competition wings put both trimmer action and speed bar action on your feet. And you need that to be competitive. You can go from, you know, when you're going around the pylons, you want as slow as you can get. And then when you hit the straightaway, if there's much straightaway for that segment, you want a uh, full speed. So a well-flown competition will be done at almost full power, almost all the time. Uh, but modulating the, the speed bar. And if you get that wrong on many, many wings, it's, it doesn't go well. So it's really all about somebody out there to put it together. And the other problem is we have in the United States far fewer pilots per square mile. So to get enough people to compete, they got to drive a long ways. And that makes it tougher because, you know, we went down this road, we tried it for years and it's, it's just too hard to put it together and there's risk. You can't get insurance. And so I don't know, it's all going to be, if there's somebody that can figure out a way uh, maybe to make it pay some prize money, somebody with some drive and uh, that's what it takes. So I would be pockets. That would be nice. That would help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, hasn't definitely. the industry grown? I mean, like I would say since 2020 till now, hasn't it jumped up a significant amount? It seems like a lot of people got into paramotoring in the last two or three years. It seems like it it has. However, let's consider another sport that has grown in popularity. And just just take, for example, skiing. What percentage of skiers want to compete? It's a pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm about to start uh, kind of competing in, I, in pickleball. I'm hearing, so, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was like, I've just been hearing a lot of that. A lot of people my age yeah, it's, are getting it's great. Are uh, going to the gyms or doing that. Yeah, yeah doing that. and younger. You don't have to be an oldster to, to do it. Uh, I, I play mostly people that are younger than me. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and, uh, I'm going to go to this. I'm going to suck. I mean, I'm not going to make any bones about the fact that I'm going to suck, but that's okay. I'm going to have fun, but I'm going to compete. And it's really easy to put up a pickleball competition. It's like, you got a court. Well, I got a court out in front of the hangar here. Cause you know, pour a little bit of concrete. We already had the concrete for the apron and then, uh, paint it. So, anyway. but, <laughs> but if you start out it, with, does it start out with ping pong? playing ping pong first you know do the wrist ping pong thing, is a, and then you it's go a good to gateway pickleball. drug yeah it's good. <laughs> if you're if you're good at ping pong 
or tennis, you're going to pick this up real quick. Oh, yep. oh boy. And you but, don't want to see me out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Be no different than me. You know, suckage comes in great scales. Yeah, so, uh, but if you, if you looked at the number of people that uh, compete in something like skiing, where, you know, yeah, it takes a little bit to set up a competition, it's tiny. And if you applied that same percentage to paramotor, even with the increased numbers, it's going to be a much smaller percentage because of how difficult it is to get all your gear there. With mm -hmm. skiing, it's easy. You can ship it on an airliner. Well, that's difficult with a paramotor. So sure. eh, I think it's it's a taller order to get competition going. Uh, and now you've got to get the pylons. you got to get them out over the water. Uh, there are some types of competitions that I think we should probably do that you can do safely over land, namely spot landing. Why not do spot landing competitions at fly-ins? Oh, I, 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 I saw that on, on Facebook a couple months ago. I forgot where it was in Belgium or something, but um, mm -hmm. that was really fun to watch. I thought that was super cool. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and we had uh, actually, I mean, it's still on USPA's rule book, uh, spot, different types of spot landing competitions or of landing competitions. There's the type with a swoop where the idea is to come down, kick a cone, and then kick successive cones as you go. Oh, there you go. And it requires, number one, you'll have an advantage with a faster wing. But to mitigate the advantage of a faster wing, you have another competition. And that is the land and stop. So the idea is you come in and you land on a Frisbee and stop. And the person that has the least amount of forward energy, because in, in any competition with a, a bunch of good pilots, they'll all hit the Frisbee. So now the winner is the one who doesn't do any traveling or does the least amount of traveling. So yeah, you hit the Frisbee, but it's not a flyby where you just tap it. You land and stop. So there the slower wings have an advantage. So wow. maybe some kind of competition that's easy to set up where you don't involve low flying on speed bar. That's where the vast majority of the risk has proven to be interesting yeah, i got a, i got a question that um maybe you know i don't know but um how many pilots do you think are in the united states right now uh, uh, you know ballpark you know do you have any idea how many pilots paramotor pilots there are with with a huge margin of error i would say maybe five thousand. and and you got to qualify it too because there's a lot of gear out there that's sitting in garages, but not a lot of flying. So do you count the guy that trained last year, but hasn't flown since he trained? If, if you say, well, let's count pilots that have flown at least five times a year, okay. five times in the last X number of months. Uh, I would say that's, that may still only be around three to 4,000 because uh, what my observation was that there is a, an arc of activity you get into it. And this is true of any activity you get into, you start, you go whole hog, and then it falls off. You don't do it as much. Uh, you know, some of us have these big, super big climbs and the big fall off. Some of us are a super big climb and then they 
just go nutso for years and then a slower fall off. And that's kind of been my thing is I just, I went nutso for years. Uh, but now I'm down to a more reasonable level of, you know, once or twice a month. That's because we started a business and um, I'm working intently on that. So I don't have as much opportunity to go to fly-ins and things. Interesting. I never would have thought it was only about 5,000 pilots. I thought that there was going to be more. Active. 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 If if you were to look at the number of people that go through class, and I'm just talking about people who go through a class Mm -hmm. and then don't fly even five times over the next six months, I bet that number is pretty high. Really? Yeah, it, it'd be uh, interesting to talk to uh, instructors who follow up with their students and find out what that is. Is it like 50 percent, 70 percent? I don't know. I don't know. But but then what about it after a year? Uh, and then what about the people that get in? They buy it. They go pretty, pretty heavily at first, but they got marginal training. And, and even if they go to a good, reputable school, the weather might have intervened so that they the the school has every intent to train them thoroughly but they can only come for seven days and it's bad for five of it what do you do if they don't come back well that person is now out there just like uh i won't mention any names but (laughs) there were some that they'd basically push you or pull you into the air for three times and say okay uh you're on your own now that's not a formula for success Gotcha. I know that Scuba Steve, uh, he started, what, a year ago? And you have, like- yeah, May of last year. And I've only got 10 flights total. So- Which is May of last of year. Yeah, last year. Yeah, that's a great example. Cool. I, I think I Will had another question, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah there are a couple of questions. But uh, Jeremy, this is a really good question. He wants to know what your thoughts are in the USPPA's direction since since you left? I think that Noah taking over the USPPA is the best thing that's ever happened to the USPPA. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, he's done, I think he's done a great job. You know, he got, he's, he's gotten uh, people to help. He did an immense amount of work on the website, basically opened it up, simplified it. Uh, I think it's, probably more approachable to more people. It was a little different vision that I had on, on things like the testing, but uh, I don't think it's worse. Uh, it's just different. In fact, I think it might be better. Um, you know, the, I'm sorry. I think that was feedback. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no, I'm thrilled with it. Yeah. He's done a I- remarkable job i think of course you did too jeff but i mean the nice thing is you get to build on your predecessor's strength you know uh work and it's not like you're starting all from scratch so um, right yeah thank you for your efforts for sure oh i appreciate it but it's it's funny uh who who do you get to do something you get someone who's busy because they know how to manage that stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean you know noah he's he's uh an author of a very popular book himself, so a number of books. And he does all kinds of things. He teaches and it's like, okay, let's see how that goes. It's like, whoa, good for you. You go, boy. I've, I've loved it. I've loved watching it. 
Yeah, we were lucky to get him on the show too, and he told us all the stuff that he has done. It is incredible how much he has done. Yes, but also too, just like you know, Will said, you know, he's building on a foundation that you know Jeff put together. So you know, yeah, well, I appreciate it, and of course, obviously, I had an immense amount of help. So it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't build that uh, that the functional part of the website, and uh, everybody, you know, the instructors helped put the program together. Um, so it was, there was a lot of help. That's awesome. It is seven 30 yeah. right now. We're halfway through the show. Uh, anybody have any questions? I see Jim raising his hand. Yeah. I was wondering approximately how many people or how many airplanes don't have ADSB out. I don't know. I think that's a pretty low number because if you do not have it, there's a lot of places you can't go. So, uh, and, and it's pretty cheap to put in your airplane. I mean, if you have an airplane, uh, a $1,200 ADSB, no problem. Uh, that's, it, you're gonna have it. Because for the uh, ability of where it, it, it's for one thing, now you can have ADSB in and see where other people are, but you can have a little more peace of mind knowing that they can see where you are and they'll get an alert. So I've got it in both the airplane and the helicopter. And if traffic gets gets to within, I think, about a minute of me, uh, within a few hundred feet, I get an alert in my headset. So I, and it tells me traffic, one o'clock below or above, I think it is. So I'll bet that number is less than 10% now of, of certified aircraft with electrical systems. That's really interesting because Gaggle has, I believe, Maybe I've, I've talked with many people that the AD, uh, that the uh, uh, Gaggle actually tells us where aircraft is. It saved many a people that we've talked to so far. Uh, just recently, I was flying and Gaggle said there's a helicopter on your five o'clock heading at you at X amount of miles per hour and we'll be there in uh, two minutes. And I was at the same altitude. So I dropped down, waited that, and there went there it went right in my path and saved me. And I've heard so many other pilots that are using Gaggle the same way. It's actually helped them uh, avoid mm -hmm. traffic collisions. That's awesome. Does it have any audio capability where you can? Yes. So it'll tell you traffic. Yes, it'll actually tell you while you're flying wow. what's going on, yeah. Oh, that's oh, awesome, yeah. Yeah, it I've come tells across you what altitude and and which way they're coming from. It tells you exactly, you know, a aircraft at three thousand feet coming from your southeast. So it mm -hmm. tells you exactly where it's at. Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know about that. Uh, yeah. I will have to get that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I've come across a couple crop dusters that were not on it. Yeah, they won't be on it. And the reason why they won't be on it is because uh, you need to be in, in order for you to get it on gaggle. That airplane needs to be high enough so that the ATC can see its broadcast. So oh, if like when we sense. yeah, when we did our testing, you know, it, it didn't it didn't show up until he got up a few hundred feet. Uh, now, now it's it's broadcasting. So if you get close to the pilot, uh, like. So he would show up actually, uh, but he wouldn't show up to someone else like on gaggle. But if you had an ADSB receiver, then anybody with an ADS will show up even if they're not making it into the air traffic system. 
Uh, so yeah, crop dusters and low flying aircraft probably won't be on it. That's true. But you, you know, you'll know that you're, it would still be nice if they, if they had that, but hopefully they're broadcasting ADSB, but I'll bet they're not come to think of it. If they don't need to be, they, they sometimes do stuff that may be considered a little sketchy. Gotcha. Uh, one thing that we do, Jeff, is that we take a thumbnail, uh, usually halfway <laughs> in through. Um, you read my mind. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to do a quick thumbnail and uh, give thumbs up. And uh, that way we'll have a little picture to to put up. So ready when you are, Mr. Will. All right. And we'll count to three. OK, ready? Do, do I need to try and look good? That's a tall order. Awesome, sir. You already look good. <laughs> I'll just use your high school picture. <laughs> All right. One, two, three. We got it. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so I, much. Awesome. I successfully resisted the urge to stick my tongue out. Yeah, no, you feel free, man. What's up? <laughs> there you go. Now Jeff's on the wall of fame. Oh no. On Monday like, night. Beats it beats the wall of shame. I've All been right. on that wall before. I have the prop to show it. Hey, I got a quick question. Um, okay, when yeah. did you decide to be um, an airline pilot? What made you decide? And when okay. did you uh, become an airline pilot? I was flight instructing and I wanted to fly more and faster and explore what was out there in aviation. So I, I don't think there was ever any question in my mind that I would be flying for a living. And that seemed to be about the best job possible. At some point, I questioned, well, do I really want to be responsible for all those people? Uh, but that was pretty early on. And once I got confident, it's like, yeah, okay, I do. And uh, I was 23 years old when I was flight instructing. Uh, and then, and I knew I wanted to either corporate aviation or commercial aviation. And commercial aviation actually came up first. I got a job with a commuter airline in Ohio flying 19-seater Dornier 228s. Oh. And uh, and I knew that's like, okay, this is, you know, flying every day. I still like the job. It's really kind of crazy. I just flew yesterday out to uh, San Francisco. Sadly, I did not get to go paragliding at the dumps, but uh, it was beautiful. It was just like, well, if you got to work. Almost every time I do work. Uh, I have to say that. Yeah. This is yeah, a bad I got gig. a question for you. It, say you get trained with an instructor who is not in the USPPA and you want to get your PPA ratings. What, what can you do in that case? You go to a USPPA instructor and have to demonstrate there's, requirements for um some maneuvers now and you can the best thing that you can do for that is look over what are the requirements for the ratings like for example the big requirement for the ppg3 i mean the two is essentially you can launch and fly reliably on your own that's that's the two if you can reliably launch in uh no wind and so you're you're doing uh, no wind inflations and you can do reverses uh, and you can reliably land on your feet within, I think it's, is it a hundred feet? And then there's another one at 25 feet. 
something like I forget now. But if you can reliably do that, all you need to do is go go demonstrate it to an instructor. But what I used to say was, uh, and I did some ratings clinics. If you can reliably land within the PPG three circle, if you can reliably land within that circle, and you can reliably launch in no wind, uh, you'll get your rating at this three day clinic. So the the PPG three rating requires you to be able to reliably land, power off from three hundred feet, and I think. 15, one, five feet. That is harder than it sounds. So it's a not lot. like you have to go pay another $2,000, $3,000 to do training all over again. You can pay for this clinic and then right. just go, okay. Yeah, that's what that's what I did. And, and uh, it was fun. You know, it's another reason you, you get together, you go over the, um, the ground school during non-flyable times, midday. Just say no to ground school. If it's flyable air, you need to be out flying. But uh, so we would, uh, and, and that's what I, you know, when people were getting ready to go to the ratings clinic, uh, when I advertised, I said, this is what you can expect. That if you can do these things, namely the landing. So if you can go out and reliably do these landings, whether it was the two or the three, then you'll get the rating at this clinic. Because I can show you, I can teach you how to do some of the other things. Um, like the PPG three, if you can reliably do that landing, you can almost certainly reliably do uh, level flight at three feet or do a foot drag. A foot drag to be done in light turbulence requires a fair amount of skill. It's, it's a good determining point. Uh, that's why it's in, I think it's chapter 15. We talk about the... Uh, the skills and how you can know when you're there. And that tells you whether or not it's safe to advance. So if you can reliably do a foot drag in light turbulence, you've got energy management down pretty well. If you can reliably land in 15 feet power off from 300 feet, you've got energy management down. So that's why I always use that as the, the judgment. Um, it's also one of the more risky maneuvers for people who are not quite there yet to push it because you wind up saying, oh, I'm high, I'm high. I'm going to pull more brake, pull more brake. And the next thing you know, the wing is falling back. So you got to be careful. But I think that course, we only charged uh, probably uh, $150. So nice. Okay. Yeah. That's way less than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 15 is advanced ground handling, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you think I would have that all memorized by now, right? Right. <laughs> but I have, I have the copy right here. Oh, you can't see it because of the. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, there we go. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that that whole section is all about more advanced topics, advanced flying. Oh. So uh, part of what it does is tells you uh, how to know you've arrived at a skill. So it gives you something to shoot for. It's like, okay, yeah, I got that. I can move on. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we got 20 minutes until Jeff has to go. So any questions in the super chat, any questions on the panel before we continue? I have a question. Okay. I would really like to know more about reaction simulation. Well, that I won't take up too much time on it because this is about paramotor, but... Uh, reaction simulation 
is the realization that we can do a lot more with the equipment that pilots already have and with low cost equipment. Um, I, I wrote the, uh, the flight dynamics for Rob Caddo's powered paraglider simulator. And that showed me what was possible with uh, a certain amount of expertise. And then the max accidents happened, uh, Boeing max accidents, two of them. And it looked like we were going to get trained with nothing more than slideshows and videos. Uh, and when I saw that, the switch flipped in my brain. It's like, Jeff, you are in a position to do something about this. And that is when reaction simulation started. So uh, I hired an extraordinarily capable pro programmer and uh, him and I have created this application that runs both on uh, an iPad and on virtual reality headsets that does self-guided training for airline pilots for both their cockpit flows and for emergency situations. Um, it, we're a small team, but we're very nimble and we can get a lot done in short order. So uh, we've, had, we've had two contracts. Uh, one's a military related contract. The other is for the University of Central Florida. And uh, we're you know, trying to get on to the airlines. We're talking with three airlines, but we just have to wait. It's a long drawn out process. Airlines are big uh, ships I with tiny rudders. I can see it carrying over to the paramotor world, though, you know, like where you're talking about the VR headset, you know, that they're, uh, we're doing a bad apples. Um, yeah, that just, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Did, was it up there, bad apples? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's version two of the flight code. That's much better. Yeah. Well, now I'm not talking about the reaction. You, you're talking about the VR, you know. The, yeah, the VR that Rob had. Uh, yeah. I, I wrote version one a number of years ago, 2015. And then he had been bugging me about some limitations that it had. And uh, when the max accidents happened, I actually used that as a excuse to write version two with the idea of this is going to be turned into a Boeing. So the funny thing about my development version of that was that it was a paramotor simulator with Boeing instruments. <laughs> so, <laughs> Interesting. That looked, yeah. That looked kind of funny, but eh, it was fun. And now of course his, you know, his simulator is, it's really awesome. Yeah, he well, he even has the spray like when you're going over water. Or whatever, yeah, it's oh, wait. water. I don't remember that. I know the airflow, but I don't remember the water. Yeah, I think there was some water involved there. I don't know. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, high tech uh, spray bottles. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it was is sort of the same thing that hit me in paramotor. Uh, I mean, in 2001, by 2001. I was seeing some accidents and, and there was some, let's just say some sketchy information out there that was not really based on evidence. And uh, it became clear we needed some better materials. Uh, we needed some training standards, some better materials. And, uh, you know, I went to, uh, I wasn't, I didn't want to write a book. I was perfectly happy. I had just gotten out of software in 97. I was loving life, flying my brains off, and I was completely happy to do that. But I wasn't so happy about, you know, some of the things I, I saw going on. It's like, well, uh, I know how we can make this safer. We do it in, in commercial aviation. 
uh, let's apply some of that same technique here. Uh, so yeah, I went to Dennis Pagan. He's, he was a well-known author, is a well-known author. And, uh, he, he made that fateful reply of, well, well, I asked him, Hey, I heard you were writing a PPG book. Where is it? We need it. And, and he made that faithful reply. Well, I decided not to, but if you write it, I'll publish it. Oh. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's not what I had in mind. But I actually just talked to Dennis today. I'm really thankful for it. It, it was, uh, it's, it's been a wonderful run. Very rewarding. Now, I know that you said in the past that you had some uh, digital versions that you were going to put out. Um, for your PPG Bible, uh, was there any audio book uh, in the mix? It's it's funny about the audio book. I started that project and then I decided not to finish it. An audio book is an immense amount of time. So uh, I actually recorded most of the book. And then by the time I got that done, edition seven was coming up. Well, you got to re-record the whole thing. And when you record, I, I don't know how, how other people do it, but I imagine, and I, I have talked to uh, a couple of people who have done it. You don't just read it. You read it and you read it again and again, and you read that same paragraph again until you get it right. So now you have that paragraph five times. Well, guess what? You got to go back and edit it. It is, That's so, it is so time consuming. Just do it and like the it, first time. <laughs> yeah, okay. I it, right? <laughs> if only I were that good. <laughs> we know better than that. So, no, I mean, hmm. here, let's take a sample. The other thing that I observed, and so the audiobook would not be exactly like the written book. Because it doesn't always flow as well. A few little changes makes it flow much better sometimes. Because you don't have the picture in front of you. When do people listen to audiobooks? They're either out riding, driving, or doing something. Mm -hmm. So you're even if you do include the images, which which you would, you're gonna be trying to ingest all that information from just the audio. So you need to make some changes. That'd be a cool audio book to listen to on an airplane while I'm flying somewhere. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here, let me do a, let me do a little sample. Okay. And okay. And, and we're going to find out because you know I'm completely unprepared for this, right? Right. <laughs> so I say that so that that any amount of suckage, which will now be recorded for all posterity, will have an excuse. <laughs> Remember, it's not how good you are. It's how good your excuses are. Ah, Here comes a Barry White voice on the audio (laughs) book. I just happened to open to uh, the last page of chapter eight. So it's not going to be terribly compelling because it's law. Understanding the law. Um, Courts and reality. Our freedom is a double-edged sword that can cut deeply. The problem with going to court over a local violation is that you pay out of your pocket. They pay out of everybody else's pocket. Congested. 
When one PPG pilot ran afoul of local law, police contacted FAA officials. The case went all the way to trial, and FAA lawyers used prior rulings to prosecute the pilot. See, that was a re-recorded, wasn't it? Mm. Even though those judgments weren't directly about 103, they did include a reference to congested. The pilot was fined over $1,000 and had to pay for his legal fees. There is, unfortunately, little recourse in such cases, and one avenue, the National Transportation Safety Board, is not likely to help. So that first paragraph, that's a re-record. I would have just, uh, the sentence, I would have just started over and, and said it again. And I made some changes on the fly because it referred on the fly, it referred to an illustration it left which of course the listener won't have. So anyway, that's the long story of why the audiobook is not likely. The other thing is that the percentage of people that would buy the audio audiobook is really small. Um, Cause it's largely, it's a visual thing. Uh, and that's why the book is structured the way it is. You'll notice that um, most of these types of books start off with aerodynamics and law and all that. Well, I don't get into any of that until chapter seven. Chapters one through six is, I mean, the chapter one is dedicated to here's why you need an instructor, why you're a lot likely to save your ass if you get an instructor instead of trying to learn this through the book or through videos or whatever. Um, but then chapters two through six are all about learning the equipment and flying. I mean, think about it. You want to learn um, windsurfing. You go find a book on windsurfing. It doesn't go into hydrodynamics, does it? Now, I go into that in gory detail because it's a fascinating topic to me. We have such weird aerodynamics. Uh, But, you know, I wanted to make it real practical. So I don't think that I don't think there would be much in the way of sales, the time, et cetera. That was the long answer. Sorry, I used up so much of the time for that. No, it's your time. This is your show. You can talk about whatever you want to, my friend. (laughs) And it's really interesting, too. Didn't even think about that as far as the audio book um, as far as the digital book um, you're gonna have the uh, a pdf digital book or something that we can oh yeah that's uh, been available for for a few years okay so yeah, if you go to- we talked i know the last time we talked was three years ago unfortunately and yeah. uh, you're getting into doing that and i haven't seen it yet okay yeah no it's up on uh footflyer.com you can you can download it Excellent. Hey, since you talked about footflyer.com, can you tell us more about your website, what you have available? Um, we love all the videos that you have available. Can you tell people where, you know, what they, what yeah. we can find on Footflyer? Well, there's, you know, there's the sales information, but there's also a bunch of supplemental information that could not be fit into the book. Uh, things about, well, like we talked a little bit about airspace there, and there are some examples of different types of airspace and some of the details, how you can find out uh, examples of some legal situations I just referred to in there that I have on Footflyer. So it's organized by chapter in the book. I mean, there's the majority of the website is organized by chapter. So if you want to see stories about um, various places where you can fly in ways that you can find out whether it's legal to fly, then you go to the chapter on airspace, chapter nine. and uh, Or you want to see, uh, is there any other information about aerodynamics? I've got some stuff on aerodynamics, like, uh, for example, about 
why you want to be in a beginner wing as a beginner. There's surprisingly good reason for that. And I've got some detail that is not in the book on it. Um, and the, yeah, the Master Power Paragliding DVDs, they have advanced animations because it's a moving, a moving animation can tell so much of many of these stories, uh, like about Torque. Uh, and there, I have more detail on the, um, the chapter that includes the aerodynamic, the motor, the torque. Uh, there is a lot on that subject. Uh, I wish some paramotor manufacturers would have consulted that before they built their motor. Uh, because frequently, you know, w when I was trying motors, it's like, oh, yeah, this one solves the torque. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. heard that before. And my test is really simple. I'm, I'm a lightweight guy. Uh, if I can go up there and just squeeze off full throttle smoothly and not spin around, well, you've succeeded if it's a powerful motor. And there, uh, I think there's two motors that I've ever flown where I could do that. And on one of them, it was so powerful, I wasn't willing to because my angle got so steep that I was worried I was into unknown aerodynamics. It's like at some point, the wing is going to lose and it's just going to fall back. I don't want to be that guinea pig. So uh, the, the DVD series, uh, it talks about the concepts that you'll need to learn in competition uh, or just any precision flight. That uh, DVD three is all about precision flying. One is uh, a gazillion things about uh, handling the wing and there's the animations to understand it and the examples of some extraordinarily good wing handlers. Uh, Bill Heener was basically the star of that show. And uh, chapter two is all about launching. It's amazing where you can launch these things if you have certain techniques down, namely the ability to steer your launch. But a few other things about launching on roads, confined spaces and so forth. And uh, the video goes into that with animations and examples. Uh, then the chapter four is all about landing and different conditions, different considerations. Uh, Eric DeFore is the star of that. He is still the best spot lander I have ever seen. And, uh, you know, we, we have been great friends for a long time. Uh, he was the first one I saw in Albuquerque in 1999 after I'd been flying for six months, flying my brains out, and I harbored the delusion that I was pretty good. So I'm out in Albuquerque and I'm watching, and this guy lands on a tire. Now, he didn't just land on the tire. He stopped and kited the wing on the tire. It's like, oh, do that. I wonder if I can do that. And so I went down. And of course, I couldn't do it. I sucked. I had to run off on the tire. Couldn't even come close. It's like, what the blooming blazes is this guy? And uh, so anyway, I gained a lot of respect for him. And we competed against each other. He proceeded to beat me all the time. That's fine. And the thing that he did better than anyone I've ever seen is the spot landing. So he, he was giving me grief along, you know, because as, as we were producing these things, so when am I going to be in one of these? Oh, I got a place for you, son. <laughs> did you know, power, he's, he's hang gliders, good at everything. But did, did power hang gliders come out way before powered paramotors? I mean, because I remember when I was um, little, playing Little League, I saw somebody flying. And I was like, I want to do that someday. But I think they were on a, a powered ultralight, not, not a yeah. Yeah, powered ultralights. I remember in 1985, 
I was flight instructing and someone asked me to come fly their ultralight uh, or to, to observe them in a gyrocopter. As in a, a certified flight instructor, I was allowed to sign them off as observed flights. And so I did that. And one guy said, well, you know, I can either pay you or I can let you fly my ultralight. Like, oh, well, that's really easy. <laughs> you know, well, what do I need to know about this thing? And let's go. So, so I did. And I fell in love with it. But so, yeah, those were around, I think, before powered paragliders, but not by a lot. Mike Burns was flying a powered paraglider. He was one of the first. Uh, the first one that I had verified information on in 1987. Hmm. But foot launching, that yeah, was sketchy in 1987 because the weight of the motors was too high and the wing efficiency was too low. But the wheels, you know, the parach powered parachutes, they were a thing a few years before. So yeah, they, they were earlier, uh, but not by a lot of years because really ultralights didn't come into being until really... I think the early eighties when they started putting that's, motors. That's when I saw it. It was, it had to be the early eighties. That's when I was. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they were just beginning then. So, and by 1987, someone was foot launching. Uh, and then, you know, it just grew from there. Interesting. Um, what, what size motors did they have back in the eighties as far as your foot launching and how much did they weigh? Were they two strokes also? They were two strokes. They were all two strokes. I remember there was one that, uh, am I remembering it was a three cylinder? Three cylinder? Koenig? Does that ring a bell? Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you started it by wrapping a rope around the front of it and then pulling the rope off of the machine, hoping it did not tangle in the prop. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I flew that or not, but I did see it run and, and be started. Wow. So, yeah, they were they were heavy. Uh, I would say, and then there is the uh, oh my goodness, what's that one with the uh, the heavy cage? Oh my goodness, yeah. My buddy flies a four cycle. That thing is heavy. I've flown uh, at least I've flown two four cycles. Yeah, and they're they were pretty heavy. The Bailey machine uh, is not as heavy as some of them, but uh, you know, it, and it's made for foot launching. Yeah. I got one but, question real quick as far mm -hmm. as the olden days. When did we start going really from uh, ground starting to back or rack? When was that? And uh, what was the cause of, obviously, we know what the cause was, but why did we go from ground starting, moving the propeller to start it to back or rack? Do you remember that by any chance? Uh, it's it's gradual, and there's still plenty of people that start on the ground. Um <sighs> There's there's ways to start on the ground that mitigate the risk, uh, but obviously there's you know the problems that we know about, and that's why the change is. I think you know those of us that were involved, which is pretty much anybody who simply looks at the forums and looks at the accidents and looks at the carnage done by ground starting. That's that's all that anybody needed. It's like well. Your, your biggest chance of an injury in this sport is getting eat up by that prop. Do you, do you really want to expose yourself to that? And, uh, you know, right. instructors probably got tired of having, having students get chewed up. And so I think it was just a gradual realization that, yeah, this is, this is the number one way to get maimed. Let's not go there.
Right. I, I think it's a lot of the pull systems too, instead of like the old ones that were trying to start like a lawnmower. Now you just barely pull them and that spring loaded just starts them up so easy. I think that's one of the reasons why we went from, you know, trying to pull and pull them like a, like it's a lawnmower to a little brap, you know, and it starts up. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of, a lot of times those motors don't start up real easily. And uh, that's probably when they are the riskiest is, is if that doesn't go well, now you got to troubleshoot. And I, I know of some accidents of some really experienced pilots where that was the case. And every now and then you'll hear about somebody starting without a cage. It's like, oh my. So Let's we publicize went from them. the number one cause of paramotor pilots dying, drowning, to now it should be low acro. Do you agree with that? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, let's put it this way. If you fly over water without an agama or similar style of flotation device, that still happens. People are still drowning, uh, but we've got the mitigation in place. So all we need to do, I think of risk is like shopping. It's like, what do I want to put in my cart on this outing? Uh, do I want to put a bag of ground start in there? Do I want to put a bag of drowning in there? Or maybe two bags because I'm going to put two or three bags of drowning because I'm not, I don't have an agama and I'm going to go do a foot drag in the ocean. Yeah. Like, okay, let's put three bags of risk for drowning. Uh, low maneuvering. It's a big one. You're right. I, I don't know uh, what the statistics now suggest, uh, but because people are so aware of the drowning, they, um, they avoid that. It seems like people, you know, have an agama or power float or something like that. So that does seem to have decreased a lot. Uh, but low acro or, or just low altitude maneuvering. Uh, weirdly, power lines aren't often fatal. But anytime you're below power line level, your, your risk of that is obviously there where if you're up high it's not and then we all fly i wouldn't say we all but a lot of us me included do fly down there and i don't care if i know the area i'm at risk because i might forget where that wire is we've got some areas out here where yeah i've flown the area a lot but you know you can get into if you play fly with music you get into your songs like, yeah, yeah you know you're going back and forth having a good old time and you just forget that oh yeah this is the field with the wires in it oops <laughs> So uh, if you're down the, down low, you're at wire risk. I don't care about familiarity. I, I, I remember uh, a friend of mine, we've flown this road a number of times. He just forgot about the wire. Like I knew that wire was there, but I just forgot about it. I was having a good time and that wire wasn't on my mind. Well, at least not until I hit it. Um, so the other one, the other risky area is training. Training was, uh, that's, a, that's a big risk. I think maybe we've mitigated it, but that was why I wrote that uh, the instructor book. Yeah. Paraglider and paramotor instructor was again in 2015. There were a couple of fatal accidents uh, that happened to a pilot on radio and um, the switch flipped in my head. It's like, we're not going to sell any of these things, but I'm going to write it. Dang it. <laughs> And I so got uh, I got it. It's a good book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good book. No, uh, I think the, I think the number one, I, I still say the number one reason for fatalities, non-training related is poor decision making, you know, to, to step it back to what, you know, the root cause 
And yeah. The, well, you know, and I, I think that, how much they talk about, you know, auto, uh, aeronautical decision making and. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It, you're absolutely right. It's just so broad that it's a little hard to get your head around. Mm-hmm. So that's why in um, oh, chapter 19, there's that uh, it's like a set of knobs that talks about choosing your risk. Uh, and aeronautical decision making is what takes place for you to choose those scenarios. So do you let yourself get into it? Do you recognize that, okay, I'm having a hard time starting this motor. And I I say this because this happens to me on a regular basis. We all have this. I have a hard time starting this motor, but I'm out of the field. Uh, I've driven four hours in the dark to get here. It's calm. And I'm going to try to start this motor, even though I'm out on the field. And I, you know, I took it off my back, off of the rack. I walked out. It's stopped. I can't start it on my back. I'm going to set it down in front of me. And you know, I have some mitigations that I do at the hangar. I can't even do that. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Chances are you're going to start that thing on the ground. And you got to say, I just dropped a bag of MAME into that uh, cart. That's aerodynam- aer- aeronautical decision-making or any kind of decision-making, um, you know, risk assessment. And that's where, okay, is it worth the risk? Uh, when right. somebody asked me, do you want to go uh, for a skydive? Well, skydiving, that's another thing on footflyer.com. I put, uh, I put a, an assessment of the risks and I try to be very objective. Uh, you know, here's where my sources were. You can go do the math and see what you think. I don't have any skin in the game. I, I do all of these things. The, all of the things that I put in there, I, I had done. Um, and uh, skydive was about four paramotor flights. The same risk as four paramotor flights. Is that worth it? It's not for me to make that call. I mean, when it, when it was me, yeah, it was. But right. that's why I, I try not in, in any of our stuff, not to, I don't say don't do this or that. Just here's what the risk is. Like yeah, The risk, risk is really high in these activities. Now make your own decision. Exactly. And uh, he has a lot of amazing videos. Um, make sure you go over to Footfire. I got them all. Um, watch them. They are amazing. They really help you understand uh, different things. I need uh, that risk versus reward videos. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we got you. Go to go to Foot Flyer. You, you, it's awesome. Um, I think that we have one uh, last question for you before we go. Uh, uh, Will Fly, what was that question? Uh, Jeremy, uh, man, he's killing it tonight. He says, "Ask Jeff about the Discovery Channel feature on Fan Man," and he wants to know if you really landed in the ring the first. That try. was really cool. I like that. Well, you know, there was a show called Sports Science uh, a number of years ago, and uh, they had me on the show, and I landed in the boxing ring. But there's quite a story there that we'll have to wait for another time. But uh, yes, he really did land in the boxing ring. Uh, he was powered up until the last last part. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, he landed just short of the, you know, he landed basically in the uh, ropes. So uh, I, this is where I learned that reality TV, not as reality as we'd like to think. <laughs> Save that for another show. Absolutely. <laughs> Jeff, uh, it's a little bit after eight o'clock. We definitely appreciate your time on the show. Thank you so much. We know that you're extremely busy. Uh, once again, My tell pleasure. Us about, 
once again, tell us about um, your uh, website, Footflyer, and what we can do uh, as far as what we can buy there uh, to help support you and your cause. Sure. It's footflyer.com. It's uh, everything paramotor and more. Uh, the video series, Master Powered Paragliding, and uh, the books, including Dennis Pagan's book. So, yeah, appreciate it. It's been Absolutely. fun. Oh, thank you, Preston. Right. Thank you so much. Very informative. Okay which you know your books speak for themselves i think so absolutely righty. well thank you yeah thank you thank you, thank you jeff for taking okay. some time out of your busy schedule to come on no problem join us no on problem. the show i so appreciate it and yeah i always learn learn stuff every time so this was this i was always learn something too frequently <laughs> it's what i don't know but that's okay <laughs> that's a good thing though <laughs> that's just cool. thank you again my friend thank you so right. much thank Have you great evening. okay all right you too all righty thank you Man, that was that was jeff going if you don't know jeff going now you do he's the one that writes the ppg bible book if you haven't done so already check that out and he also has a great series a, a great uh dvd series i wonder if he, i wonder if he has it on thumb drive yet because who who has dvd drives anymore hey guess what i do because nah. I, I got a, i got a vhs i got uh um, betamax and some eight tracks so you know me coming in fast now my for my first car had an eight track player that's how old i am yeah i know right <laughs> and remember like when we went from eight track to cassette you can put that little cassette thing in your eight track yeah. and now you can play cassettes remember that conversion that was yep. so cool i know well, yeah but i still i could still never figure out how to rewind it's like you had to put it in one way and push rewind and it meant <laughs> fast forward I, I could never figure that out oh, I know, right? that was with yeah. cassettes on eight track you had to fast forward all the way back around oh, yeah. Yeah, damn that <laughs> What about like the little uh remember when the, the tape recorders came out? Talk about I know that was so cool. Hey, we can actually Houston. tape our voice. Tape Wait a minute, do I really sound like that? No. Oh my god. <laughs> we had more fun. Who's all can I ask real quick? Um, who's all in the chat tonight? So because you know I always say hi to all my chatters. Okay, yeah, I let's go ahead and really Will, can you can you look back by any chance? Appreciate it. And so we got Kramer. Kramer, by the way, was our number one, our very first thumbs up tonight. Thank you, Kramer. Ooh, I love Kramer. Thank you, Kramer. Appreciate that. Love. We got Sean Simons, a.k.a. PPG Grandpa. John oh. Wayne's in the house. Scuba. Two feet in a heartbeat. What's up? Bill H. Cliffy V. And da -da -da, Butch Fly. What's going on? The other Nick. What's up, Nick? Hey. Uh, Jeremy going on and hey i did want to give them a shout out the usppa and i i should, I should have done it earlier but they really made a big difference you know with their representation at the fly-ins this year yes um, that was just absolutely awesome yeah, kenneth awesome. kidwell what's going on my man greg laney nick j and did i say bill h i think i did do we smell stead steve kennedy Dude, dude, lots of people. Tony Marzano, what's going on? Angela, who's Thank in the house. Know. Angela Preslick. I think she. I think she skipped out from us and went to go watch the Packers. She did, but she can't say. Starting out very exciting. We 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 can't compete against the Packers, so I'm I'm just glad that anybody's here at all. Wait, I have to yell this out to Angela real quick. Go Lions! 
All right. So Walter Priori, tomorrow's coming, Sean. Yay, tomorrow. And... <laughs> Yay, tomorrow. <laughs> Walter Walter's in the house? Yes, he is. My uh, sugar. What's up, Walter? Kramer, Kramer. Y'all like, let me know if I've missed someone now. I'm still looking. Okay. Munchkin. Munchkin's yeah, in the Munchkin house? Yeah, Munchkin's Hey, here. what's going on? Uh, Kevin, okay. Kevin's in the house, but he's uh, actually uh, here instead of on the, you know, out what's there. What's up, Kevin? Hey. I said Steve Kennedy, flying flamingo. What's up, Jade? Y'all need to order some stuff from Jim because, look, he's out hard delivering printing supplies right now. <laughs> the hard, oh, Chris Lockley. What's going on, man? What's up, Chris? If you guys don't know Chris, a big shout out to Chris. He has helped us so much with our uh, nonprofit organization. Um, awesome. He has uh, helped us with um, with building our school. He's helped us with putting in electricity, with water, um, give, given us a, a lot of his time, uh, helped us with land. Without him right now, Running the Sky would not exist. So big shout out to Chris Lockley. Thank you very much. Yay. Yeah, I want to know about Kevin, the guy that's like hidden in the background right now. I want to know more about how he's coming along. I'm just saying, I mean, he's kind of hid back there, hasn't said a word the entire show. I think he needs to, you know, speak up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. Go ahead and finish okay. up. Bill. Okay, we go. All right, uh, Plainfield PPG, I got your back. Let's see. Uh oh, I do Bro. believe I got. Everyone, so if not, you know, let me know. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Back to um, you. All right. Hey, Roger Smith. Munchkin, I already said, but yeah, Roger Smith. Much love, much love. All right. Uh, if you guys don't know, Kevin is from Mississippi. He's coming over to Paramotor, Arkansas. Long, long drive. Uh, he's here for a couple of days this time. And today he did a power taxi with the wing above his head. Man, tell us a little bit about that. How'd that feel? It was exhilarating. It was fun. <clears throat> I enjoyed it. Um, turning around's not too bad, but trying to set the wing down. Uh, little tough still trying to get the swing of that but yeah but if you got the power taxi down you're like right there you're mm -hmm. like right there yeah. <laughs> Booba, next, no, next is in the Help. air Booba. you know you'll get the landing and and laying the wing down sean i'm sean does a great job i know he's gonna teach you good so that's all that matters Yep. So tomorrow morning we might be taxiing with a wing that's flyable. <laughs> I got punched. He might be <laughs> video that's or it didn't happen. Video. <laughs> that's like me when I get ready to jump in a tandem. I love, like, oh. I love seeing first flights. I mean, it's just like the best thing. Or just watching somebody take their first flight and seeing their joy when they land. It's like you can't. You can't put anything, you know, Ooh. above it. It's just amazing. Look at me. I'm already jumping in my chair. I get just when you start talking about it, I get all crazy. 
Yes. Poor guy, the whole world's going to be watching. <laughs> the whole world is watching. Is is he going to sit too soon? Is he going to butt land? Will he turtle? Tune in tomorrow and find out. Yeah, if I could say anything, when you go to take off, do not succumb to the, I don't know, the 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 preference to jump in your seat. Do not. Get in your seat. It's gonna feel like everything's lifting off you, and you want to jump in your seat. Don't do it. Wait until you're in the air. Wait until you're right into the sky. Yeah, wait Run until you're at least ten sky. feet in the air. Then get in your seat because there's a whole nonprofit designed and talking all about run into the sky. Do not sit too early. There you, you, did, you didn't realize that was the name of the school originally. It was run to the sky. Do not sit too early. We're like, eh, let's shorten up a little bit. <laughs> there we go. Hey, Chris, how you doing, like man? Paramotor LLC. Shout out. That's why behind me. Yeah. So did you get Chris Fahima? I hope I'm saying his name right. Did I get him? What? 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 Yeah. yeah he, the, another person just showed up there. Oh, I, I, I missed know. him. Oh, excellent. There we go. All right. What a great guest, man. I, I you know, that I was, was Jeff going. Oh, awesome. That was I have awesome. a feeling you could spend like five hours with that guy. Oh yeah. my goodness, he is so funny too. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. if you've watched his videos, his DVDs on all the, everything that he does, everything from airspace. Let me tell you, if you want to learn airspace, get the airspace video from Jeff Gohn over at Foot Flyer. Absolutely the best. Not only is it uh, airspace, but he talks about all of our FAR 103s, talks about the rules and regulations, talks about um, um, the big fluffy clouds, how far do we need to stay away from it, uh, all sorts of things. I mean, it's really done quite well. The Mastering Series, one, two, three, and four, I got them all. Very, very, very awesome. You must get it. If you are planning on uh, mastering paramotoring, but not even become an instructor, get the paramotor instructor book too, because it really goes into some really amazing detail that maybe you didn't even know about that you didn't even know about. So hmm, how much do you want to learn about paramotoring? I don't, I don't know if I could ever do the instructor thing. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that I'm the one responsible, you know, to make sure they get the proper training to not die. Yeah, I, that's that's a big responsibility. <laughs> I can see you on the radio. Yeah. Well, okay, that, that's a, that's a good that's a good thing to talk about. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. Butch, you came to me. Why? Uh -oh. Why? Because you were you did this for a living. You didn't do it on the weekends as a side job. And I did a lot of background checking, and you didn't have a bunch of obituaries on your student list. Okay. Obituaries. Oh, my goodness. One way to put did it. they get in here, yeah. man? Didn't I know about that them. one. Okay. That, that's a interesting. Lot of, uh, a lot of the other ones, they have obituaries behind their names, and Sean doesn't have any obituaries behind his name. There you okay, go. and how about as far as my safety and my safety protocols? Uh, that little checklist, man, it's 12 to 15 seconds to save your life, and it's already saved me three times. When okay. I first started doing that checklist, I'm like, oh, oh man, a good thing I did the checklist. You know? 
Yeah, a lot of people don't do their pre-flights. If you don't do your pre-flight, man, you're like asking for it. I've seen other people come over to where we are and didn't even kite their wing before they flew. They just laid it out. You know, man, that's no way I could do that. Yeah. Okay, so so safety is a a big priority over here. 100% 100% safety awesome. is paramount. We we could, like we said, we could get you in the air a lot sooner. Yeah. However, if you're able to and want to, the safety on this thing is definitely paramount. Um, how about you? What do you think as far as safety is concerned? Do we talk about safety at all? Or is it just, just go ahead and get you up in the air and get you out of here? Talk about safety all the time. All the time. Um, what are some of the safety yeah. things that we talk about all the time, though? Uh, check and double check. <clears throat> uh your uh pre-flight mm-hmm. um uh everything uh, yes everything is always checked ready, double check your lines check your engine check everything not once but twice you know i mm-hmm. check it before i strap in and i do a checklist after i strap in and then i'll do another after i start the motor the good thing about all of that is because when you learn that way, it gets embedded in your brain right. and you do that procedure every time before you take off. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, you know, you're like, well, I remember somebody used to No, that's not what you want. If, if you're taught that way, you're going to remember that. And that's the way you're going to do it in the future, which is probably going to save you from a bad, bad accident in the future. I woke up, I woke up having nightmares. Doors are shut and locked. The trims are <laughs> shut and even, you know, <laughs> run, run, run. <laughs> so, so I guess, I guess the question is if you guys are still listening or if you're listening later on and you are a pilot, what kind of checklist do you do? One of the things that we do that, um, of course, this is not the only checklist. This is the main checklist that we drill into everyone's heads, right? After they clip in, leg, leg, chest, chest, chin, right? You go back and you double check your leg, your leg, your chest, your chest, your chin, right? After you buckle in, and there's a certain way of buckling in each time, and we're not going to go over that real quick. But once you clip in to do a forward or reverse, butch, what's the first thing you check? The doors are shut and locked. The trims are set and even. The streets are straight. And the brakes are free and clear of the pulley. The tip steering is where it needs to be. Right. If you have tip steering, obviously. Right. See, it's the- memorized. See how Butch yeah. just rolled that off? It's memorized. It's in his yeah. brain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is awesome. Exactly. And, you know, when you uh, go out to fly-ins and you meet up with other pilots and you watch them clip in and go fly, we went over to EFD and we watched numerous pilots take off with a cravat, never looked up at the wingtip and just kept on going with a big cravat. Wow. We got, I got, I got one on video. I'm like, ne- they never even looked. They just kept on flying with a big old cravat. Never looked up. And what do we, what do we teach you guys? Look, look, at at your your wing tips. look at your wing tips. Look at your wing tips. Send it. Make sure you're centered under that wing. Right. So, it, it's it's very important. I mean, uh, I I've seen a lot of issues, and when I try to incorporate uh, alleviating the issues in 
the training when we are over here learning this stuff because once you learn it and it's just part of you when you clip in it's just doors are shut and locked rooms are set and even streets are straight the brake tips or the uh the the tip strings on the magnet free and clear to pulley on both sides your streets are straight and your brakes are free and clear to pulley the straight the brakes are free and clear to pulley have to be the number one thing right next to the doors are shut and locked how many videos or pictures have you seen where the carabiner is uh halfway off you know how many times have you seen somebody with a brake rate uh, a brake wrap and they're up there trying to fix it because it's all wrapped around their line they didn't make sure it's free and clear to pull before they took off so Ooh. if the brake is if the brake if you take off and your brake is tangled that is very dangerous because what'll happen is you'll pull your brake and it won't release because it's tangled so then you're Ooh. stuck in a hard whatever right turn and you're going to spiral down to the ground. So that that's very important. Even after you take off, you want to check both risers and your yep. brakes and everything. Make sure that those are clear and look down at your carabiners to make sure those are up and straight. You don't want anything cockeyed or crooked or anything like that land immediately. <laughs> right. All right. Real quick, Butch, on launching, there's three steps to launching. What are they? Pressure power and no is that what it no oh, taking off to launching launching oh, hang on man oh. yes. I yeah, got inflation you. inflation taxi and commit i'm sorry okay right. inflation taxi commit sorry <laughs> yeah. i put you on the spot sorry about that but you're right about power pressure you yeah, you're right so um there's three steps to inflating or to, to launching you inflate that's step one you're taxing during the taxi phase you're looking at the carabiner all the way up to the to the tips right making sure all the lines are good you can taxi for a very long time with proper technique which is what butch just said as far as posture pressure and power right so that's another thing that we talk about too and then once we look and make sure everything's good we give it the power and we commit to it when we land there's three steps to landing do you know what the three steps are where your feet touch, where your feet end up, and where you lay your wing out. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So it's a big triangle. So when you come in for landing, you actually look down and go, okay, my feet are going to touch there. My, I'm going to end up there in a reverse, and my wing's going to be laid out right there. So it's a big triangle. So we, that's how we teach that also. Because, you know, you don't just half whatever going down for a landing, you want to make sure that you are directly into the wind, you don't drift, and you know exactly where your feet are going to touch, where they're going to end, and where the wing's going to land. Because if you think about this, if you go to a fly-in, um, it's not just where your feet touch, where are you going to end up, and where's that wing going to go? How many times have we seen at a fly-in where a wing just drapes over a bunch of people, or a tent, or, or cars, right? Because yeah. they're not looking at that future of where that wing's going to go. So even though that's obviously something that we think about, but we never think about it unless it's taught to you. Not on the leading edge. <laughs> that's going to be a t-shirt. Not on the leading edge. Which is going to be the next, like, you'll be the next spokesman for the sport. <laughs> And then maybe in the next few months, uh, you know, we'll we'll have to have you as a guest again on the show so you can talk about how you, yeah, how you know you're flying, how you're progressing, and because you you are doing so awesome. I mean, you've come so far in such a short time, and well, I think you. you'd be real good.
good inspiration. Butch is a trike boy okay. now. Foot launches and trikes. But yeah, he also uh, is now a um uh, a test uh yeah, pilot. I'm a test dummy. No uh -oh. test pilot. Come on, say it right, test pilot. <laughs> dummy. <laughs> no. We don't want to be a dummy. No. Oh, uh, for the quad, right? Yeah, I can Okay, wait. gotcha. Yeah. We got the parts in. Those seem interesting. I'm just worried about the quad if it if it lands a little crooked, just swerving really hard because it's a foil. I don't know, or or flipping over easier. But it's it's wider, so you would think it would have better stability. I don't know. Well, yeah, luckily we've... I've worked on my skills with that trike. I'm think I'm pretty good at going in a straight line now i haven't been sliding around lately i've been doing the straight line thing okay. it's it's a lot harder than it looks huh right like when you yeah. got when you butch when you first got in there and everything right and watching everybody else you're probably like oh that looks easy but then <laughs> yeah. once you're sitting down and you're doing that right you're like yeah i can i can just imagine it just you know Everything looks easy until you try it yourself. Will, were you trying to say something, buddy? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, lift paramotor brings up a good point. It says it's not not good enough just to say it. You got to touch it. And if we're talking about the checklist, and that that's right, because I've done it. I found myself doing it, which is why I started doing the same checklist three times, and in particular, the chest, chest, you know, uh, the leg, leg, chest, chest, chin, um, but actually touching what I'm speaking, because You'll find if, if you get like into a rhythm, you just might say the words, but <laughs> you might not have done the action. And uh, so I don't know how many times I've clicked my leg buckles and then pulled it and the buckle pop out. Yeah. So, yeah. So on my third check, that's what I was going to say on my third. Right. Check, right? On, my third, on my third check, as, as I'm walking out. Uh, I'll do the the final leg, leg, chest, chest, chin, but I actually lift each leg up and put some pressure against it if I can, you know, and just to make sure that that sucker, because I have had that. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll pop. You'll think they're connected and then you pull it and it pops loose and you're like, what the hell? And then you click it again, then you yank you're like, OK, now it's connected. So, yeah, that's real yeah. important. Yeah, like the other one, the doors are shot and locked. You actually feel the carabiners. You can slide down to the trims are set and even. Then you reach out and grab the brakes and pull them up. The streets are straight. You know, the brakes are free and clear to the pulley. Right. My, and then your solo, your solo has the uh, tip steering. So you tip add the steering. one more Check checking the tip, tip steering, steering before you even break the brakes off. Yeah. Right, because you mostly use the A wing that yeah, doesn't have I'm, the tip I'm steering. I'm still using the A, but I go back. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with A wing. I fly A wing. No, I love flying <laughs> that A wing because just I just love it. <laughs> I love. I it. enjoy flying the A wing too. It probably saved me from dying on that flight at that fly-in because I took a couple of nice collapses on the side of my wing when I was landing because the wind was ridiculous. So it kept me from dying that day. So I'm glad I had an A-wing. Interesting. Oh, yeah. It was bad. So um, real quick, just for fun, uh, what's your checklist, Steve, as far as buckling in and getting ready to go for a flight? What do you do? As far as buckling in, why well, mm -hmm. I, I do the same thing. Leg, leg, chest, chest, chin. I make sure all that's right. I make sure none of my 
radio equipment or anything has any wires in the way or it's not behind any buckles. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as the streets, I do all that also. Um, okay, so 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 once you clip in, go ahead and do your checklist from your carabiners. How, how do you do it? From my carabiners? Mm -hmm. Well, first I make sure the carabiners are locked. I make sure they're not twisted or anything. Then go. Then I make sure my streets are straight and my trims are set and even all the way up to there. Then from past there, it's uh, my brakes. I make sure my brakes are flaring clear to the pulley. I have no tip steering, so I don't have to worry about tip steering. And okay. um, I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. I'm glad because like I said, we've seen some people that never even check to see if their streets are straight, their brakes are free and clear to pulley. And no, they just, that's, that's they, just they clip in, reach down, grab the brakes, get their A's. I've, I've seen that numerous yeah. times at uh, fly-ins and I'm like, wow, you didn't even check that. And then the only the thing I've too. ever done, which I've done twice now, I do all the checks which is normal because it's in my mind. But when I go to take off, sometimes I forget to grab my brakes. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't grab my brakes and pull them off. I'm looking at them, but I just grab the A's and then I go to launch and I'm like, damn, I don't have my brakes. But it's easy to pull. Fine. I'm like, hey, let it back down and start over. But yeah, I... That's I'm, why the brakes are free and clear to pull is very smart because mm -hmm. the brakes are in your hand. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I would, well, I mean, I look and I make sure they're clear, but I didn't grab them off because I, I think usually after I check everything, that's when I start my motor and then I forget to go back down and grab my brakes, is what the problem okay. is. So I've, I've now incorporated that into my checklist because I've done it twice and it's not going to happen a third time. <laughs> good, 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 good. I'm glad you're That's safe. That's why I do my last checklist again. Brakes, you know, doors are shut. Not after I start the motor. Do it. Yeah, do there you go. After you uh, start it. Yeah, yeah. okay. Because I've done that before myself, Steve. I've done it all, <laughs> and oh yeah, oh man, I forgot that. No, <laughs> yeah, the wing comes up perfect. You're like, damn, I can't pull brakes because I don't have them in my hands. Well, yeah. luckily I didn't get the wing up. Grandpa saw it, and I was like, oh. Oh, "Okay, let me uh, chill out a minute." <laughs> now you know that in the future, one of the uh, advanced things that we do is to launch without grabbing the brakes. Just like when we kite without the brakes, you can launch right. easily without brakes. You don't need brakes in your hand. I could so, have done that. I chose not to. I mean, my wing was perfect, but I was like, ah, "I don't want to," because and just in case the wing decided to overshoot me, I didn't want it to frontal. So yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, I'd rather just stop." So I did. What's the brake on the magnet? Yeah, and my brakes aren't just magnets. They have that stupid, weird oh, yeah. thing that clips in. They're yeah. a pain in the ass. So yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't like those. I, I wish it was the regular magnet. It would be so much easier. So much easier. There's okay. one thing that, that wasn't mentioned. I do I do everything everyone just said, but also the, the final check to make sure the area is clear. Yeah, very good. Very good. The, the area and the sky lined up, centered on the wing, and you're ready to go. Something could have changed, you know. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, I had a really good time. We still have an hour drive back to the field tonight. We got to uh, head on out, so I'd love to be able to talk for another couple hours, like we normally do. But Kevin, 
Good luck tomorrow. That's all I want to say. Good luck, man. Just don't jump in your seat early. If that's any advice I could give you, do not jump in that damn seat. Resist the urge. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, guys. So there's nothing else. Yeah, well, we'll just have to, uh, there's no shows on Tuesday. And then Wednesday is just want to fly with Jay Mir. And then I, I'm just jumping in there, Sean. Yeah. Get <laughs> and, it. Uh, and uh, on Thursdays is paraglidingchalk.com with my son, Robert Michaels. And that's always a fun show. And then Scoopa, you have a show. On Friday night, Scuba, tell us about your shows. Oh, Lord. it is her show. It is her show. <laughs> yeah, I know her on Friday nights, eight to ten o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It does talk a lot about vaping, which I'm doing now, um, and not taking the wrong vape devices up when you fly because it will burn them out. I've learned, um, so don't do that. And we talk about paramotors also because if you fly a paramotor you're going to talk about paramotors so that happens yeah yeah and then if you want to be a guest on my show just just go to my uh just go to um yes what what uh grandpa are you paramomusa.com or something like that yes paramomusa.com takes you right to my facebook page and just say i want to be a guest on your show and i'll get you on the show and then I just have to say a shout out to Northern Lights Paramotor LLC. You see, I represent, got my pretty little tandem picture behind me. And um, so thank you, Eric and Jade. It's my Flamingo Jade sticker. Cool. There you go. She even writes a personal message on the back. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's, that's so pretty. <laughs> I need to put this somewhere on my paramotor. I haven't figured out where yet. I'm going to figure something out. Oh, yeah. For sure. Okay, I'm done now. All right. Well, we can't leave Will out. We need, we can't <laughs> no, leave just make sure Linda's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, just the tip 12.0 is out, working on just the tip 13.0. And uh, if you want to see my videos, you can go to Will Fly PP. Oh, yeah. I was in that video. Did you see me? Yes, you were. So you can go to willflyppg.com or youtube.com forward slash willfly. Take you right there. You just need a sticker to go on that shirt. Then it'll say willfly products. Actually, that's a pretty good idea. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's when like you just that. buy other, you just wear other people's shirts and just fly kind of products, <laughs> and it says "Will fly products." What's up? <laughs> I will fly any product. Give it to me. <laughs> I will fly. In case great. you don't know who I am, I'm PPG Grandpa. You can find me at ppggrandpa.com, but I'm always over at paramotorarkansas.com at our flight school. And we have a nonprofit organization to help disabled veterans get into the sky. And we call that run into the sky, don't sit.com. Wait a minute. No, we shorten it up. Run into the sky.org. And uh, we are ready to rock and roll. How many people do we have in the queue, Mr. Butchfly? Uh, 11. We got 11 people 11. in the queue. Damn. And if we want to get up with you and your flying shenanigans and what you're doing, we go over to where? PPGbutch.com. <laughs> or you can find me on YouTube at Fly Butch Fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uploading the video. <laughs> I don't think Kevin's going to forget about sitting in the seat. I think we got that one 
drilled into his head now. I mean, that's the mistake I made when I was training. So I'm just trying to avoid you making a mistake because there's a couple of bad things that can happen if you jump in your seat too quick. Number one, which is what happened to me. Yeah, I flew about 30 feet right down into the ground because if you jump in too quick, you're adding all your weight onto that glider and it goes right down into the ground. So that's why it's important to let it pull you up and then get into your seat, then you're fine. He's going to be, he's going to go to sleep tonight. He's going to be dreaming about that now. I, he's yeah. going to do don't great. Sit, I mean, sit, he's had sit. so much training That's now. I don't think he's going to have a problem at all. I don't think he, either. Kevin's going to be just smoking it tomorrow. Smoking it. Vaping it. Vaping it. <laughs> he don't even have to vape. He could just get up there and scream from the sky like Butch did. <laughs> like a bird like a bird baby. i almost forgot the second annual fly it for gauge flying is happening and it's probably going to happen early this year so um i think it's going to be march we'll let you know more when uh i mean we sure sure things up a little bit but yeah we are definitely going to make it to uh butch and i are going to make it to all of the fly-ins next year we can't miss flyings we missed it for two or three years two years now can't miss anymore um we gotta go for sure all right, all right. anything okay. else guys that's it if not blue skies and hope everyone run into this guy we'll catch you next time on ppg grandpa's paramotor podcast clearprop tv paratoc.org and i think there's another one but i don't remember Hi, everybody put your hearts, hearts. love y'all Love y'all. Come on, Scuba. Why is my heart not working? There it goes. I got, I got my heart on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm somewhat. Something like that. You Guys, you all be safe. <laughs> no, don't do that to her. Put your heart on. <laughs> Good night, guys. Right. Good night, <laughs> On that note, we gotta go. Yeah. Wow. That's why safe. <laughs>